Houston, we have a podcast. You're listening to the Premier Rockets Podcast. It's H-Town Hoops, hosted by Brandon Scott and Adam Spolane. It is the H-Town Hoops Podcast. I am Brandon Scott here with Adam Spolane. Austin Mendez is handling things for us behind the scenes. And we have a winning basketball team to talk about. Last time we were on the podcast, they were on a three-game winning streak. Now they're on a six-game winning streak. The Rockets, that is. We're going to break it down. We're going to talk about it. But before we do that, Spo, I got to ask you, man, like, is this is this good or bad for the Rockets to go on this six-game winning streak, to be playing their best basketball and to have, what, four, five, four days off between games? And we're not going to – we saw them last on – Sunday against the Denver Nuggets. Not going to see them again until Friday when they start this uh, this West Coast trip. Man, is this a good thing? Before we get into the good vibes of the team, like how do you, how do you feel about this lull in the schedule and just I guess the weirdness of the NBA schedule all around right now? No, I, I don't think it's a bad thing. I'm sure they would like to continue to play, but at the same time, you have a few days to kind of let everyone get a reset, and you have some film sessions, and you can say, you know what. Yeah, we might have won these six games, but there are a lot of things that we need to improve on. So you have some time to actually like point that sort of stuff out when you have this long break. And um, this isn't a perfect team by any stretch. And I don't think anybody would try to tell you that they're a perfect team. So any any opportunity that you have to like get on the practice court, I think is incredibly valuable. And they need it. Like they they you can point to a lot of things that they have not done well over these six games and now they have a chance to work on that and they also have an opportunity to maybe install some stuff that maybe they haven't been able to get into yet so i i think that yeah i'm sure that they as a team would love to be able to go out and you know carry this momentum but at the same time when you are on a long winning streak like this some complacency comes in with that too where you think well okay well hey we've won six in a row it'll be easy to win seven in a row we we can do no wrong but i think that now they've had the opportunity to show Ime Yudoka and that staff, they had the opportunity to really show that, Hey, we've won six in a row, but we very easily could have lost the last two. And I think that's important to point out. Yeah. Well, so let's break that down and we can get into some of the things that they can improve and some of the things that they should be working on with these days off. But let's look at some of the keys to this winning streak. And obviously we talked about the first three games when they beat, the Hornets, and then they had the back-to-back wins against the Sacramento Kings. But since then, let's break down the, the, a few of these games. You know, the, the Lakers game, I feel like there's not as much to break down. Obviously, they beat the Lakers in a blowout. It's the first – I believe that was that the first in-season tournament game that they played, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, uh, that was the – yeah, that's right. That's that's the that's the Pelicans game. That's right. I'm, I'm, I'm getting my day. See, it's been that long since they've played that that just two games ago. I forget exactly what the court looked like. No, but that was the first time that they that they debuted, I guess, the city connection jerseys. That's that's what I'm confusing. But anyway, they blow out the Lakers. Not really a lot to break down from that game. I think the story of it for me, you correct me if you think I'm wrong, but I feel like the story of beating the Lakers was the Rockets were the much superior defensive team on one side of it. And then Jalen Green was otherworldly. He was the best player on the court that particularly that day. And I think that combination, like I want to say he was like 11 to 15 that day. And he was just, he was really good really early in that game. And then obviously it was a blowout at the end. There wasn't much to it. But to me, that was the the story of the Lakers game, just dominating them defensively. Obviously they didn't have Anthony Davis. And that's kind of been a theme for a lot of the teams. And, and I'm not going to do that anymore either. Spo would be like, 
who didn't have who, because you never know throughout the course of this season, and it's happening even early on in the season, where you don't know who's not going to be playing for who. So you can't really be holding that against the team, I don't feel like. And especially in this run, like you could just make the excuse for every team that the Rockets have played. But that was the story. They were better defensively against the Lakers, and Jalen Green was a savant. These last two games, I think, are the ones that are more interesting because you've got the back and forth with the Pelicans. And you you mentioned there are some things that you can point out that are not good and reasons why they could have lost these games, both against the Pelicans and against the Nuggets. The Nuggets just because they're the better team, but they were able to figure that out and credit to them for doing so. But the thing that I like about the Pelicans game or was impressed by was they stayed the course in that first quarter when Zion and Brandon Ingram, pretty much they did not have an answer for either one of those guys in the first quarter. And then it's the bench guys. Dylan Brooks is having a, a really rough night early on, comes up with some key plays at the end, but having a rough day throughout. And I thought the energy that guys – Tari Eason, and we can talk about some of the bench guys later. But guys like Tari Eason, Jay Sean Tate, and Jeff Green, the, the energy and the defense that they brought to that game, I felt like slowed down Zion and, and Brandon Ingram, who still had big nights. But that, to me, is where things sort, started to kind of turn for them. And I was just impressed with how they closed out that game. Obviously, Fred Van Vliet was the finisher for them and, and came up with the big shots. But what would you say – maybe even just starting with that game or some of the overall keys and themes for, for the Rockets in this last, uh, in these last three games, obviously defense is one of them. Well, yeah, we don't need to talk about the Lakers. I mean, they, I guess what stood out about the Lakers game was that they were in control early and they never let go. And in the past you have been able to see this team jump out to leads. And then in the blink of an eye, the lead is gone. So the fact that they were able to put together really 48 solid minutes, that's what really stood out about that game. Like you had a team that you were better than, and you played better the entire night. The other two games, it, it was really about the way that they played when the moments really mattered. And it was not getting overwhelmed by the moment. It's not, you know, crapping all over yourself down the stretch. And this is something that Alper and Shingun said after Sunday's game was how they would play great the last couple of years. They would play great for three quarters. And then the fourth quarter, they would completely come apart. And they didn't do that. I mean, really, I, I think that was highlighted by how they opened the fourth quarter on Sunday, where they're trailing by two at the end of the third quarter. And then they start the fourth with a 20 to eight run. I mean, that's the sort of stuff that wins games. When you can go on runs, when you can take advantage of Jokic being on the bench the way that they did. Like, that's the sort of stuff that you want to be able to see out of this group. And, yeah, the, I, I do think one of the things that kind of stands out about this stretch is that it's not like they're being carried by one guy. Like, you saw this in the past where they would go on a long streak or something. You know, they, they would go on a really good stretch, and it would basically be all James Harden. That's not how this is going right now. I mean, every single night – it seems to be someone different. I mean, they played uh, on Sunday and they had probably their worst shooting game of the year, or at least one of them, at least recently. And Jalen Green was one for 13 and they still beat the best team in the league. So like that sort of stuff is important. And just seeing that sort of growth is what you've wanted to see from this team really for a long time. So the fact that they've been able to do that, I, I think that that bodes well uh, for the future. Um, you know, I, you can kind of go through, like they have not had anybody score 30 points in a game this season which if you win six in a row in this league, normally that's the case. Somebody goes off for 30 at one point. 
And they don't have anyone this season who has scored more than 28 in a game. I mean, you look even when they when they uh, Jalen Green had the 30 point game two years ago, his third, I think it was his third game in, in the league. And he would have big scoring games, you know, last year, early in the year. They weren't winning games. So you're seeing a whole lot more balance. They had I think it was one of the Kings games. They had all five of their starters scoring double figures. And Sacramento starters, I think Sacramento only had one starter scoring double figures. So the fact that everyone's involved, the fact that everyone contributes one way or another on both ends of the floor, I think that's where it matters more than anything. It's not about the one guy. It's about the group. Yeah, I, I like the point that you're making because it's it's one of the things that has perplexed me about the team or one of the things that I've struggled with in evaluating the team because you always think of when, when a team is going to be a winning team and have – like real chances at success, you always think that there is a guy, like an alpha on the team, a best player, some sort of hierarchy or pecking order. Like this is the first best player and the second best player, and the and then the, you know the number one, the number two, the number three, and hopefully you got two really really good to great number two, you know, top two guys. And with this team, I thought one of the questions was going to be, okay, they've got really good pieces that they've surrounded the the young core with and signing Fred Van Bleet and bringing in Dylan Brooks and all of that but who's gonna be the guy like who's gonna be that guy and it just hasn't really necessarily had to be that to your point where it's been multiple guys and one of the perplexing things about the team is like Alperin Shingun feels like their best player which we can talk about him uh Jalen Green feels like their most talented player Fred Van Vliet and Dylan Brooks feel like they're unquestioned leaders. And normally, it, it, like the, the very reductive, I think, thinking is always like the best player, the most talented player, and the leader are always going to be the same one or two guys. Whereas here, you're sort of spreading out those responsibilities or allocating those labels to three or four different guys, which is a little bit odd and a little bit unconventional when you think about a, a good team or a winning team but it's working for this team so far early and it doesn't seem fluky. It seems like something that they could actually sustain, you know, if, if like if, if everybody is like accepting of their roles and there's not egos at play and it feels like that's, that's part of what works here. It, it, it's an interesting way to look at a team, you know, um, and, and, and we can talk about Alperin Shingun. I feel like he's one of the, and then we talked about this in the last episode, how he's one of the bright spots but I'm just watching him look different as a player, okay? He talked about the Denver game, going head-to-head. Like, Nikola Jokic still had an MVP type of game. But on the other end, like, Albert Shingun was a lesser version of him, but was still really, really, really good, you know? And was and I don't feel like Jokic had much of an answer for Shingun, as did Shingun not have an answer for, for Jokic and... I guess it's the thing about Shingun. Right now, he feels like their best player. The effort is different. It looks like he's in better shape. He looks like he's like not like to, at least to me, um, like he's been in better shape than he has been. And I don't know. I, like I, I feel like a, a big part of this, even though there's not one guy that you would say, "Hey, this is the like this is going to be the all-star. This is like the number one player on the team. I do feel like his ascension is a big part of it, along with some of the other stuff we're going to talk about. 
No, what you say about Shingun is is totally true. Like he is in much much better shape this season. Um, he's playing harder, which has also like, he had a chase down block the other night. Like when did you ever see Alperin Shingun come away with a chase down block uh, in his first two NBA seasons? So he's getting on the floor. He's getting on the floor, Adam. Like he's he's uh, the chase down block that that attempted steal that he had. That it, I don't think he got it, but. You know, uh, I think Ryan Hollins noted, like, it's normally a guard that's doing that. Now you're seeing Shingun get on the floor, chase down block, uh, just taking the ball away from, I think maybe it was the rookie uh, against New, when he took the ball away from the kid against New Orleans um, and had that layup late in the game. Uh, like, he's he's got some – there's a lot of hustle plays, to your point. And, and there are a lot of the things that he had struggled with in the past, the fouling, the turnovers, that hasn't really been an issue. And – he is, I think, I think one of the critiques that we both would have had about him the last two years is that he was always looking for the home run play. And he, he would always throw some sort of risky pass that would turn into some sort of a turnover. And, you know, there, there would be like the amazing pass, but then there would also be like the two that came before it where he threw the ball away or threw the ball to, to the opponent. Now he's totally content with just making the easy play to making just the smart basketball play that's going to lead to winning. So maybe the highlights aren't quite there, but the winning is. And at the end of the day, the winning is what matters. And so he's playing harder. He's in better shape. He's making winning plays. He's been much better defensively. Part of that has just been how they've had him positioned on the floor where he's not dropping back as deep. Um, he's not fouling. He's not turning the ball over. He's We've seen him fade uh, late in games before. He's not fading late in games now. And he's been tested. I, I think that's the one thing is that you talk about all the, you know, they've played some teams that have been shorthanded this season. Um, these teams that have been shorthanded, they've had their centers, whether it was Sabonis in both of the Sacramento games, whether it was Valanchunas against New Orleans or Jokic against Denver, like those guys have played. And, you know, there might be saying he didn't get the better of the, mat, of the matchup with Jokic. But he was right there with him. It's not like he was completely overwhelmed. And then he totally outplayed um, Sabonis in both those games. Uh, Valanchunas was the one who fouled out during the New Orleans game. So you're seeing him hold up in these matchups where um, he is, without question, the the more inexperienced of the two. But talent-wise, he's been able to hold in and he's been able to hang in talent-wise because he's got the talent and he's just, it just feels like the fact that he's been in the league now for a few years, he's in better shape. Now that has allowed him to be more successful and it's transferred over into the win column. Now it's not just about the numbers because the numbers aren't going to blow you away with him. I don't think they ever will. I don't know if he'll ever put up the Jokic, you know, 20, you know, I don't know if he'll average the triple double or if he'll have the 36, 21, 11 type game, but he can still have incredibly impactful games and you're seeing it so far. And I, I wanted to clean up one thing that I said, the Rockets do not have a 30 point score yet this season. There are only two teams that don't have one. It's them in San Antonio. And the fact that you can be six and three in today's NBA without a 30 point score, it, sh it shows you just how much better this roster is right now than what it was the last couple of years. Yeah, but before I move on to Fred Van Vliet, I want to make this point about Alperin Shingun and Jalen Green, for that matter. They have gone from guys that could make highlight plays and flash plays that make you think, oh, you know, there's something to tap into there. They've gone from highlight guys to guys who make winning plays. Yeah. I, I think that's the 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 big part of it. I thought it was a 
somewhat sloppy critique of Jalen Green when he was first coming in that he was like a more more style than substance. But then that ended up sort of being true uh, in the in the very beginning. But this year, if we're just talking about right now specifically in this six game winning streak, Alperin Shingoon and Jalen Green have both gone from guys who made highlight plays to winning plays. Like just just look at the Lakers game when Jalen Green strips Austin Reeves and goes into like that that play and then I think it might have even been the next possession after that Jalen Green strips Austin Reeves and then goes down and and gives you one of those highlight dunks that that that's a winning play on defense being active on defense and obviously just being a superior athlete in transition and, and finishing that play but then the like the very next play if I'm not mistaken it's LeBron against Dylan Brooks, and I want to say it's it's Fred Van Vliet that's stripping it away. Fred Van Vliet comes away with the strip, and then there's Alperin Shingoon to lead the break, and it's another Jalen Green, uh, another Jalen Green transition bucket. Like they're just playing winning basketball. Jalen Green's finishing better at the rim. It feels like like, uh, and, and I don't have the numbers in front of me like to compare to how he was scoring in the paint and what he was doing at the rim versus you know before versus now. But watching it, it definitely feels like he's he's better at that. And so both of them, man, Shingun, like you said, man, the effort, the the conditioning, and then just just overall the maturation, I think has really been inspiring for the Rockets uh, and really really cool for Rockets fans to watch. I want to move over to Fred Van Vliet, though, and his can leadership. I, go, can go, I ahead, go, go ahead. Go ahead. There, because we talked about there, there are some things though that they need to clean up. Yeah, let's let's let, let's let's hit those. Let's hit those. Okay. Before we do that, Austin, go ahead and uh, pop up Shingoon, and let's let's hit on some of those things because you did mention that. Um, what, what do you think are some of the things that they're not doing well that they need to clean up? Well, I'm not saying it's it's not they're not doing well, but there are there's been some luck. Let's just say there's been some luck in this, yeah. and. They are just over this this six game streak. Opponents are are uh, hitting um, less than thirty one percent of their open and wide open threes. Like that stuff is going to go back in the other direction. They're not going to get that sort of shot luck um, the entire season. So th- that's just something that like there's Murphy's law with this. And so teams are shooting thirty point seven percent the last six games on open and wide open threes. That's going to wind up going to forty one for a six game stretch also. So how do they react? When that happens, um, that that's really the one thing, though, and we talked about some of the injury stuff, but, you know, that happens all the time. But that's the one thing that you look at and say, OK, they've got a little bit lucky defensively. Maybe the defense isn't it's a little bit of a mirage just because teams are missing open looks against them, but they're giving themselves a chance at least. And I think that's been what's been so important that I think one of the biggest follies that they made during the Silas era was that they just went all in on offensive rebounds. And so you tell all these young guys that, hey, I'll go ahead and crash the boards. And, of course, the young guys are going to crash the boards, and they're not going to try and get back on defense. And what did that result in? It resulted in maybe the worst fast break defense that we've ever seen, the worst transition defense that we've ever seen. And last year they're giving up 17.5 fast break points a game. This year that number is 8.2. So they've cut the fast break points in half. And it's hard to score on teams in the half court in the NBA, especially when you have really good individual defenders. They have some really good individual defenders now. 
and you're forcing teams to have to score on you in the half court. And yeah, the shot luck will turn, but you're giving yourself a chance. You're making teams have to work to score on you. And I think that's really important. It's just the fact that a, they're taking care of the basketball and B they're getting back in transition. And even, you know, teams have had transition opportunities against them in this stretch, but they've done a really good job of defending in transition when that's happened. You had uh, Tate has had a couple where he had just a flat out steal in transition. We talked about the Shengun chase down block, like they're giving themselves a chance now on that end of the floor. Yeah. I actually want to double down on this point a little bit to, to, but to actually dunk on the, the luck, I think that there is something to tell me if you agree with this. I think there is something to when you rev it up a little bit defensively and when your overall defensive effort and honestly skill and talent is better, which it is. It's it. Both both things are true for the Rockets now. I think when you rev that up, you do make it harder for guys to hit open shots like easy shots are not as easy because you've been working so hard for other things. You're not getting easy buckets in transition. And so, you know, sometimes an easy bucket or a wide open shot, the 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 basket looks like it's the size of an ocean and and you just kind of, uh, you know, there's a something goes on, you know, something goes in your head and you don't you just don't knock down some of the easier shots um, or, or often. I think, like I was mentioning before, you can wear down a team and it's just harder to com- to convert in, whether it's a harder shot, an easy shot or whatever it is. So I think that there's something to be said for the defensive effort and ability affecting how teams just shoot overall. Um, and, and there's no way to really quantify that, but it's just kind of a working theory of mine of like, hey, a better defensive team obviously gives up fewer uncontested shots, but if they're getting after it the way the Rockets have been, even the contested shots are therefore harder because playing against them in general is harder. And if it's the fifth option taking the open shot, then you'll live with the fifth option taking the yep. open shot. And if you're making teams bleed the shot clock, you know, under five, which has been something that they've talked about where, you know, just because you you force a team to take a shot at under five in the shot clock, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're playing great defense. Maybe it's the ball movement on, in the other direction. But I think you'd rather see a team take an open look with five on the shot clock as, a poor, as opposed to 18 on the shot clock, because at least you're making them have to work for shots. And I think that's what they've been able to do. I mean, you look at just the pace. They are, I think they're last in the league in pace right now. And a lot of that is just the fact that they're making teams, they're, you know, keeping teams in transition or they're keeping teams in the half court. They're making teams have to work the entire shot clock. And, you know, those are little things. But I, I do think, I think you're right. It does wear teams down just a little bit. Yeah, like I, I, I think about the point that you made against the Nuggets, They how they take advantage of the non-Jokic minutes. And then there's that stretch there in the Pelicans game too. Like obviously Zion and Brandon Ingram had big nights and they started off really, you know, really good early and the Rockets didn't have an answer for them. But then that stretch there, I want to say it was the third quarter where it was the, the rookie from UConn. Uh, mm-hmm. Damn it, his name is escaping. Hawkins. We watched yeah, yeah, yeah. Jordan, Jordan Hawkins, right? Yeah. The when he was cooking them, I was like, oh, they could come back from this if that, like, or, or at the very least, just from like just evaluating like how good or bad this is. This is good for them. They they will live with this kid cooking them if that's what it's gonna be. Um, and so yeah, to your point, like making the 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 lesser players beat you and taking advantage of the minutes in which like the MVP caliber players are not out there. 
that's critical. And then obviously, just again, overall, what they're doing defensively is uh, is pretty good. But like, like yeah, they, to your point, you would like to give up fewer open looks. Like you would like to look at, okay, why was that an open look? Why, you know, what, what assignments were we missing there? Where can we clean things up? And I do feel like this is a team that's going to do that, that that will be diligent about that. But that's why having three practice days, I think is important is because that you can really focus in on that where you can let them know, you know, we might be top five in defense, but we're still doing some things that are going to get us beat if we keep doing those things. And so while everybody wants to play and you want to be able to ride the momentum, you, you also have to recognize that there are improvements that need to be made. And I, I would think that's what these three days yesterday you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, that's what Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday are about. Just cleaning some things up and then introducing a few new things. Since you mentioned luck earlier, I want to touch on this. Did the Rockets get lucky that Brooke Lopez jilted them at the altar, that they that they didn't go the Brooke Lopez route and it's allowed Shingun to flourish and develop and really show what he could be in year three? Oh, for sure. Um, because it also allowed them to bring in Dylan Brooks. And Dylan Brooks has obviously had a major impact. So would you, it's basically a two for one trade. Would you rather have Shingun and Dylan Brooks or would you rather have, you know, Brooke Lopez? And I think the answer would be, you'd rather have Shingun and Brooks playing the roles that they're playing right now. And you can go, sometimes the best moves are the moves that you never make. And remember they had the, they had that, uh, they were in that Chris Paul Lakers trade where they were supposed to get Pau Gasol and that trade wound up getting, I mean, they were going to build around Pau Gasol and Nene. And the trade gets rescinded and they wind up getting James Harden a year later. So, you know, sometimes sometimes you need a lot of luck. Sometimes sometimes you get in your own way and sometimes you make decisions and sometimes you, you need somebody else to help you out and bail you out of what could have been a, a poor decision. So, yeah, I think that it's worked out. I understand why they wanted uh, Brooke Lopez. Like, I certainly get get that. But obviously it has worked out to their better to their benefit where that went the other way, where um, Brooke Lopez goes back to Milwaukee. And I, I think the Bucks might be having buyer's remorse on that at this point. So sometimes you need, you need luck like that. Sometimes you need to, you need somebody else to bail you out of what might not be the most optimal decision. And obviously it's worked out and Shingun has, you know, it, it kind of shows you that they didn't fully trust Shingun. Um, and it kind of, you know, he's kind of proven them wrong. Um, I, I do wonder if that was maybe a motivating factor for Shingun over this summer where, you know, he's saying to himself, wait, they, they think they need Brooke Lopez and they want Brooke Lopez to play my position. And he seemed to have, you know, gotten a little motivation out of that, it seems. And I think it's worked out really well for him. Yeah, the phrase that it's better to be lucky than good, I can identify with as just as much as anybody. So no shame in it. In this case, like the Rockets have been good. We don't want to make any mistake about it. They have done some good things, but there's been some luck on their side with the injuries that we talked about, with some of the missed shots, and then also with some of the moves that they were not allowed to make, some of the things that they were not allowed to do because the option just wasn't there. Better to be lucky than good. Glad that that is, at least for their sake, glad that that's how things ended up. One of the moves that they made intentionally and their top target in free agency ended up being Fred VanVleet. Their their top signing in free agency ended up being Fred VanVleet. And we expected him to bring a certain level of maturity, leadership, professionalism. And we obviously know what he's done on the court. 
over the last several years since he's been in the league. Obviously won a world uh, a championship with the Toronto Raptors, but his leadership for me is something that has been really something to marvel at. Like I, I, I guess just not watching it as up close when he was in Toronto, but what he's done here, um, how he's kind of just taking control of the offense, watching him in pick and rolls. Adam, I didn't, I didn't realize that he was such a savvy pick and roll guy. Like I, I maybe I should have, but he's fun to watch him pick and rolls and, and, and it just how he, I should say how he navigates screens more than anything, how he navigates screens and, uh, and then his willingness to take over a game at the end, you know, like that. I, I wondered, and I guess to some degree, Adam still wonder who exactly is this team's closer. Could it be somebody every night the way we discussed already, like how they've had a different guy step up every night. Could it be Jalen green one night, Fred Van Bleed another night, Alper Shingun another night, like, you know, Jabari Smith hit some key shots for you maybe one night. Like, sure, all of these things are in play, but Fred Van Bleet seems to be the guy, the unquestioned leader, which we expected. But also on top of that, the guy who I, if 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 I'm the Rockets and, and certainly the fans, feel the most comfortable with, with the ball in his hand at the end. And, and it should be that way, I'm sure. He's the veteran point guard, expensive point guard that you just, just signed. But has that stood out to you, just his leadership and then just – I don't know. Maybe it was just that I'm still thinking about that Pelicans game, how he closed it out, uh, you know, hitting those big shots at the, those those threes at the end. And I'm like, man, <laughs> to step up and take those shots like I'm just for whatever reason, not expecting him to as much as he's done, as long as he's been around, I'm not expecting him to take that shot. And for whatever reason, not expecting him to make it. But maybe I should, you know, maybe I should stop sleeping on Fred Van Bleeding his leadership because it certainly stood out to me so far. Well, he's just reliable. And when you've had a, a young team that's lost a lot of games, they haven't had like a bunch of reliable guys. And I think that he's a guy, you know, the shot might not be there one night, but you know what you're going to get every, you know, every other facet of the game. Like he's going to play the position at a high level. He's going to take care of the basketball. He's going to be able to defend his position. And that's what he's done. Like, you know, he's, he hasn't been the most efficient scorer in the world. He's averaging 17 points on, you know, 15 shots a game, but he shot the three. Well, uh, he's been comfortable playing off the ball and, you know, the assist to turnover rate is just off the charts. I mean, we're looking at, let's see, eight assists and 1.7 turnovers a game. I mean, it really doesn't get any better than that. So we've talked about them taking care of the ball at a really high level so far this season. I think that he's been a big part of it. I mean, you look, uh, this is a guy who's playing 36 minutes a game. That's 1.7 turnovers. Um, the guy who was playing his position for this team last year, Kevin Porter Jr., was at 34 minutes and almost doubled the turnovers. So he's, so, I mean, that's been huge for them just to be able to give the ball to a guy and expect that he's going to be able to, um, expect that he's going to be able to take care of the basketball. I think that sort of stuff matters. All right, we're going to wrap it up a little bit early. Brandon had uh, an emergency that he had to take care of, so hopefully everything's good there. Uh, Rockets coming up, they they head to California. Uh, three games in California. Um, they've been at home really for the last couple of weeks, so they'll get to go on the road. Friday in L.A., which is an in-season tournament game against the Clippers. Then Sunday against the Lakers, followed by Monday with the Warriors. Uh, we might be back, I think, probably Tuesday. There's the off day there right before Thanksgiving when the Grizzlies are back at Toyota Center. So until then, for Brandon Scott, for Austin Mendez, I'm Adam Spillane saying thanks for listening. Be sure to download, subscribe, all that good stuff. 
This is the H Town Hoops Pod. This is the H Town Hoops Podcast. 